You know, we live in uncertain times, whether it's uh, the elections, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's what are the gas prices tomorrow going to be. Uh, we sometimes feel out of control. And uh, when I feel out of control, I like to take control. I, I micromanage. Um, we were putting the Christmas tree up yesterday, and uh, you laugh, but uh, I think you know where this is going. My wife was the one who organized it. God bless her. It looks great. And uh, she said, get everybody down here. We're going to, you know, do it together as a family. And I was like, okay, you know. And I go, and I put my two ornaments on, and I start critiquing. I said, no, the, you know, if you put too much on that limb, it's going to sag down. And I was moving things around. And I was like, I need to stop. I need to let go. She's in control. But uh, in general, um, we need to just recognize, like we spent the time during communion, that we have a God that is in control. And he knows our past, and he knows our future. We sometimes deal with uh, the future and the things that uh, we worry about with fear, with anxiety. Um, I don't know about you, but I had never struggled with anxiety before. I mean, stress, yes, but uh, to feel it in my chest and in my heart was a new thing. Uh, during the pandemic. That's something that came out of me, of what's going to happen next. You know, we lived in Costa Rica, and what happened often, every week actually, they would change the law. As in, uh, you can only drive on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And then next week, you can only drive on Thursdays and Fridays. And so it was a constant stress. And uh, we lived through that week by week, and uh, we didn't know what was going to happen next. And your body starts to react because your mind is dwelling on things that you can't control. And as we continue this series in Daniel, we're going to look at the reality that Daniel lived in a time and in a place where he was not in control. And it wasn't just the law changed you know, you have to bow down to this statue or, or you can't worship um, and be thrown in the lion's den. But whole nations changed. You know, it wasn't just one political leader. It was the whole kingdom uh, changed hands. And as we continue uh, reading, not only in chapter 7, like last week, where there was beasts, there was these creatures with wings and things that looked like leopards. Um, these represented what? Do you remember from last week? They represented different kings or kingdoms that were going in Daniel's future to come and go. And Daniel chapter 8 is very similar. We have more beasts, a little bit more normal beasts. You know, I don't know if some of you have seen a goat before. I've seen a goat. I haven't seen a flying beast before, um, goats and rams. And so um, if you want to follow along with me, and uh, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but you can look at chapter 8 as we dive into it this morning. Lord, I just ask for your blessing on this, on this time together. I pray that uh, just like you spoke to Daniel thousands of years ago, Lord, your word is still active and live, and uh, it's for us today. So bless it 
as we study your word together. Amen. Well, Daniel chapter 8 teaches us a few things. One, God is in control of the people who are in control. God cares about what we are going through. And God also gives us hope when we feel out of control. You know, uh, the kids downstairs and community kids, they actually have been studying this topic as well. It's funny how God does that. Um, the whole theme of the month is facing our fears, you know, not, not to escape our fears, but to face them. And uh, not that we can just do away with fear, but when we are afraid or when God is telling us to do something or, you know, stand up on stage or make a presentation at school or you need to talk to your boss, instead of shrinking back from that uh, or reacting poorly, how can we do that in God's strength? And they actually studied uh, Daniel in the lion's den. Um, so they're learning what we're learning this morning. Uh, so make sure you connect with them after service as well. Now, um, the point of that, the point of Daniel in the lion's den, and we studied the, that a uh, couple months ago, was that God doesn't just take us away from our problems and just remove the issue, but he's there with us while we're in the lion's den, or in the fiery furnace. So God wants to be present with us. Um, he allows us in his sovereignty, and he knows better than us, he allows us to go through these pains and hard issues, not because he's a cruel God, but because he's a loving God that says, I'll be there with you, and I'll hold your hand through it. So as we look at chapter 8, um, we're going to look at the who and the when and the where and the how and the what. You know, all those good topics if you are in high school learning uh, or elementary school learning those subjects of a good story. And uh, we're going to start off with Daniel. So Daniel is the who. And if you don't know Daniel, he is uh, old by now. You know, he, he came into Babylon when he was very young. He was captured. And God, through various circumstances, not only gave him the giftings to be a leader, but put him in a unique circumstance where he rose high in authority in the kingdom of Babylon. And uh, historians believe that this was around 550 B.C., before Christ. And it's the third year of King Belshazzar. So it's still the king of Babylonia. But very soon, within a few years, that is going to change. But in this moment, in chapter 8, Daniel doesn't know. Um, you remember, if uh, you were here when we studied Daniel chapter 5, and there was a party, and there was a handwriting on the wall, that was the very night that Babylon fell, and the next kingdom came on. But this is slightly before that. So that's the win. 550 B.C., and Daniel is old man. The where. Chapter 8 is about a vision. A vision is not a dream while you're sleeping. It's actually something that you experience while you're awake. Um, you don't actually see it with your actual eyes, but from your perception, that's what it is. It's something that God reveals and shows to you while you're awake. And it says in chapter 8 that it was in the citadel of Susa, and now, Susa 
in the future will become a very important political location. And Daniel might have visited it by then um, because he was a high um, servant of the king in Babylon. But it was 200 miles away from Babylon. And we have understand that um, Daniel was actually with, with the king in Babylon, and his vision is seeing this place 200 miles away. Now, how can this all happen? Well, it's God. God speaks to us in a lot of different ways. The first and major way is through his word, the Bible. Okay? We all can hear from the Lord by reading his word. Um, but a lot of times in scripture, God does speak through angels, through dreams, through visions, or through other people, prophets. So this was uh, a common thing, maybe not as common as we think, but um, this is, there's precedent for that. And God who, just like God Emmanuel with us, Jesus, he also, through the Holy Spirit, speaks to us and wants us to hear from him. So this was a miraculous thing. This is uh, a thing that Daniel had experienced uh, in similar ways through other dreams, like in chapter 7. And now we're going to get to the what. Okay, this is the big part, the what. Because this is, you know, we talk about uh, these dreams and visions, and we can interpret them in different ways. And the good thing about chapter 8 is God sends an angel to interpret it. So, you know, we got that nailed down. But let's look at what happens. So you need to imagine that uh, Daniel is, is he, in this vision, he's imagining himself or God's showing himself um, by this canal. So he's by this body of water. And he's on the bank. And what he sees is this ram. Think of a bighorn sheep, okay? Uh, so this ram, and it's got two horns and really long horns. One is longer than the other. So all these details in a vision are symbolic. They have meaning. So he sees this ram, and it's prideful, it's, it's boastful, it's strong, it's arrogant. And uh, it starts traveling here and there, maybe along the canal. And the idea is that it's a conquering, and, and nothing can stand in its way. So it's this powerful ram, okay, with these two horns. And then there's this goat. This goat peers over on the side, you know? Uh, when I was a kid, I used to watch a TV show called Wild America with Mar Marty Stouffer. And that was the opening credits. They had these two bighorn sheep running towards each other, crashing into each other, and they would fight. Well, in this vision, uh, we've got a ram and we have a goat, but they don't crash together. It's this goat that charges with rage towards the ram and smashes it, and it falls down and it gets trampled under the goat's feet. So we have an obvious victor. And from this goat comes this horn, kind of like a unicorn. My daughter loves unicorns. It's like her favorite magical creature. And um, so it has this huge giant horn, and he's trampling the, the ram. And then the vision goes on to say that this goat traveled across the ground like it was flying. It was so swift. And in its arrogance and greatness, the horn gets broken off. Again, horn representing kings and kingdoms. And Daniel is watching this vision, and he's trying to figure out what this means, and he's troubled by it. It kind of scares him and concerns him. 
And out of this one broken horn comes four other horns sprouting up from the same goat. And then lastly, those four horns go away and a little horn appears. And the little horn grows in greatness. And it says, and I don't know how Daniel envisioned this, but he goes on to say how what he saw in the vision was this little horn was arrogant and mean and conniving and scheming. And it attacked God's people. It attacked stars and cast them down and trampled on them and even attacked and put itself up against the prince of princes, God himself. And in the end, that little horn, it also gets broken, but not by human hands. And that speaks to our God. So this is the vision he has, and we're going to look at what this means. Um, In the end, near the end of the vision, uh, like I said, God sends an angel. This is actually angel Gabriel to interpret the dream, and that's what we're going to look at. And near the very end, it says, The vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been told is true. This is the angel speaking to Daniel. Now, you are to seal up the vision. So don't broadcast it. Don't tell anybody about it yet. Because it refers to many days in the future. So what is going on here? Let's look at this interpretation. This is uh, Daniel chapter 8, verses 16 through 27. Follow along with me. I heard a human voice calling from the middle of the Ulai. This is the canal, the water, where he had just seen the vision. Gabriel, he says, explain the vision to this man. So God is speaking to Daniel through this angel. Verse 17, so he approached where I was standing when he came near. I was terrified and fell down, fell face down. Son of man, he said to me, understand that the vision refers to the time of the end. While he was still speaking to me, I fell into a deep sleep. He fainted and with my face to the ground. Then he touched me, made me stand up and said, I'm here to tell you what will happen at the conclusion of the time of wrath because it refers to the appointed time of the end. The two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat represents the king of Greece. And the large horn represents, uh, between his eyes represents the first king. The four horns that took place of the broken horn represent four kingdoms. They will rise from that nation, but without its power. Near the end of their kingdoms, a ruthless king, skilled in intrigue, will come to the throne. His power will be great, but it will not be his own. He will cause outrageous destruction and succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy the powerful along with the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper through his cunning and by his influence. And in his own mind, he will exalt himself. He will destroy many in a time of peace. He will even stand against the prince of princes yet he will be broken, not by human hands. Verse 26. The vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been told is true. Now you are to seal up the vision because it refers to many days in the future. I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was greatly disturbed by the vision and could not understand it. You see, 
if an angel appeared to me, I'm sure I would react very similar to Daniel. This being appearing out of nowhere. And even though it was in the vision, that's what his experience was. It was with awe and fear and trembling, and he faints and he falls down on the ground. And every time in the Bible, pretty much when an angel appeared, that's our human reaction. And then we start to worship it because we think it's God, but it's not God. And the angel explains this vision to him. And in the end, Daniel is still overcome. His body reacts so strongly to the experience, he lays sick for a number of days. And then finally, he goes about serving the king of Babylon again. The ram, as it said, or as the angel said, is these, are these two kings. So you got the two horns. One is longer than the other. One's bigger than the other. And it's very interesting because Daniel didn't know what was coming. He didn't know that there would be a change of kingdoms. Yet God speaks to him about his very near future. This is within a year or two of this vision occurring. That this horn, this first one, is the king of the Medes. And we know from a previous chapter that uh, this is King Darius. He's the one that when there was writing on the wall, that very night, the king of Media, or Medes, comes and takes over Babylon. And so uh, instead of uh, Daniel's loyalty going to this king of Babylon for most of his life, from when he was about 15 to 70-some years old, that's a long time, that's the majority of his life, all of a sudden now, a whole new kingdom, whole new set of rules comes about. Um, and that would be pretty stress-causing, you know? Um, I have a son, and he had a teacher this year. Um, not only did we move from Costa Rica here and all that transition to a new place and new life and new rules, um, but he had a, a teacher for the first couple months of school, and then she went on maternity leave. And I don't know if you have kids that are in that age group. He's, you know, in elementary. When you have a change in teacher midway through the year, that's, that's stressful. You know, there's new classroom rules, and there's, uh, we react in different ways. Well, um, this is way bigger than a change in your teacher. This is like the change in the president, but also changes the culture of the country and all the laws of the, and the language and the diet. Um, this is a significant thing that's going to happen um, in Daniel's life and his future in just a few years. And God revealed it to him and said, just hold on to that. It's about the future. The second uh, horn that we see from this ram of the first animal is the king of Persia. And we'll see in, in a little while in chapter 10 of Daniel in other weeks uh, that this is actually Cyrus, King Cyrus. He's the one that God put in place actually to have the Israelites move back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. Um, God knew the future. He knew what Daniel needed to hear, and he revealed it to him because very soon he was going to experience these things. Now, a lot of times uh, when God speaks to people in these dreams and visions, sometimes um, it's for a short-term fulfillment of that prophecy, and sometimes it's hundreds of years later. And this, this vision actually has both. For Daniel, um, the ram with the two horns, all that is fulfilled, 
and occurs during his lifetime before Daniel dies. But then, um, let's move on to the goat. So, um, the ram occurs within a few years, um, and maybe a decade later for the, the second horn. But the goat happens 200 years later. Historians believe that the great horn coming out from the goat would be Alexander the Great from Greece. And remember I said that the goat traveled so swiftly he flew across the land? Well, um, that's the idea that Alexander the Great, he conquered the whole known world in 12 years. And that's really quick. That was really fast. He never lost a battle. And um, he came and he was uh, full of rage and quick. And uh, he's fulfilling everything that this goat represents. Uh, God used this goat, which is Greece and Alexander the Great, to, expre- to spread a common language, the Greek uh, language that the New Testament is written in. So God was in and amongst that happening. Um, and, and the interesting thing is that Alexander the Great, he died at the height of his, his glory. Suddenly, at the age of around 30 years old, he suddenly comes down with a sickness and dies. And this vision, if you read through it, it it kind of pinpoints these details, which is really interesting because God, he's not just so ambiguous that you can interpret it however you want, but God gives some very specific clues to help us understand that God's word is true and we can trust it in what um, God says we can can rely on. So uh, this first horn from the goat, we believe is Alexander the Great. And he suddenly dies of sickness and um, God knew about it. God was in control of all that. And then the four little horns that come up after it are his generals and his sons. Um, so historically, that even lines up. And then we get to the little horn. This is one I want to spend a few minutes on. The little horn from the same goat is another 200 years. So we're at least 400 years in the future of Daniel, around 163 BC. And historians also believe that this was a specific man, Anicus Epiphanes. And this was a crazy guy. I mean, they even changed his name. The common people would call him Epiphanes, and Manes would be like manic or mad. And the reason why he's in the book of Daniel is because he sets himself against Israel, against the people of God, the Jews. Um, There was the idea that if this goat tramples on the stars, that's God's uh, faithful people, the Jews, that were faithful to God. And um, he had killed at least 80,000 men and women and children. And he goes in and he sets himself up against God himself, says the prince of, of princes. He goes into the temple and he removes the daily sacrifice. He sacrifices a pig on it, which for Jews, that is horrible. That's, that's one of the worst things you can do because you only can have goats and rams in the temple and you can't eat a pig. So to, to sacrifice it in the, in the Holy of Holies, in, in the sanctuary, not the Holy of Holies, but in the sanctuary is, uh, is defying God himself. And this is what this little horn does. It's little horn because he starts small and he grows to great power. In verse 10, it says, it grew as high as the heavenly army made some of the army and some of the stars fall to the earth and trampled them. It acted arrogantly 
even against the prince of the heavenly army. It revoked his regular sacrifice and overthrew the place of his sanctuary. You see, um, when we consider our future and our reality here, we look at uh, Russia invading Ukraine. We think of uh, political powers and uh, laws that we think aren't good, or we think of uh, what is going to happen in the future. And we start to get scared sometimes. Um, we overreact. Uh, we talk to our neighbor. We talk to our friends. And we start to worry and we start to think, oh, you know, what's going to happen? This is not how it should be. But what this vision is telling us is that God knows the future. And if we can look at how God spoke to Daniel and showed him, hey, man, this is all going to happen, but I'm still here with you. And I'm going to reveal this to you. And I want you to just, just tuck it away for now. Just seal it up. And God knew that Daniel needed to hear this. And I think God does that for all of us. We can read his word, and, and he speaks to us to his word. We can find a lot of comfort in parts of the Bible, like the Psalms. We can look at how God was with um, all the apostles in the New Testament. We can see how God, throughout history, cares about us enough to speak to us personally, and he wants to be with us when we go through scary times. When you see this played out in Daniel's life, we see how God cared about Daniel and what he worried about. I'm sure uh, when I get to 70, year old, uh, 70 years old and something huge happens, some big change, you know, maybe something beyond Twitter gets, gets created and I won't know how to use it and I have to ask my grandkids, how do you play this thing? Um, I'll, I'll worry and I'll fret and, you know, oh, what's, what's going on? But um, I can trust that God's got it taken care of. Not about Twitter, don't worry about that. Um, but uh, my future and whatever that might hold. And I can trust that God has been with me in my journey as a personal testimony. And I can look how God has been with other people as I look at Scripture and I look around to all of you and hear your testimonies. And the other thing I do is I go back and I read my journals. I don't know how many of you journal, but I do it as a part of my connection with God. And sometimes I can write about what happened this week and I can complain, which is okay to complain sometimes, but uh, say I'm frustrated with this and just get that out. And I can also go back to that journal and I can write in what happens later, you know, I'm stressed and I'm scared about this. And then I find out, looking back in my journal, that, oh, two days later, God showed up and gave me the answer I was looking for. You know, I didn't know what job to take next. Or I didn't know uh, what school to, to apply for. And in those moments, we're fearful, we're uncertain, we have anxiety. We think, oh, how is this going to work out? But we have the testimony of our life. We have the testimony of other people. And we get the testimony of Daniel. You see, for Daniel, this was the future. Everything in this was the future. And for us, praise God, we have the whole, uh, the whole scripture to look at. And now we can look back at the past and say, these things really did happen. And 
not only did they happen for Daniel's future and our past, but like as we look towards Advent, we can know that also there's a returning king. So Christ was born and he came and the kingdom was inaugurated. It started, but it's not fully fulfilled yet. And we can look forward to our future, which to us seems uncertain, but God has it in his hands. And we can trust a God that loves us and is in control of our future as well as we look for the coming of the King, the return of Jesus. So whatever you face this week, uh, know that God will be with you as well. Um, whether it's uh, the biopsy or the interview or the conversation you have to have with your kid, um, God will give you the words to say if you trust in him. God will give you the peace you need and the grace you need, and you'll get through it, and God will be with you as well. So as we close, I just want us to, to think a couple, about a couple things. We can look back at Daniel's experiences and how God showed and reviewed to him, uh, revealed to him what was going to happen in the next 400 years of his life. And we also can trust that God knows our next 400 years. I'm not going to be here for 400 years, but uh, maybe you will. Um, God's, we have a God who's in control. We have a God who loves us. He cares about us. He wants to speak to you through his word. He wants to speak to you maybe in visions and dreams. God still works like that today. Um, if you don't have a personal relationship with him, uh, you can trust that his word is true. And the songs that we sing together as this church body, we sing it because we believe it's true. And uh, in a moment, when we worship together as we close, I want you to have an opportunity to put your faith in God. For those of you like me who follow Jesus, he's the Lord of my life. Sometimes we have to actively choose to trust him again about whatever is in our future. So I encourage you, take a moment. Take your hands like this and give whatever thing you're worried about, you're anxious about, you're scared about, you feel out of control about. If that's something that comes to your mind very quickly, I encourage you to just give that to God right now. And at the same time, God doesn't only want to take that from us, but he wants to replace it. So keep your hands open, and God wants to bless you and give you the peace you need, give you the certainty that he's there, and he'll be with you this week. He'll give you the words to say, the wisdom to make the decision, the confidence to do what he's calling you to do. Because we don't put our trust in mankind. We put our trust in the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. And we don't put our trust in world leaders. We trust in the one who created the world. And just like Daniel had big things coming his way, you might have something come your way that seems huge and life-altering. But God loves you. And he'll be with you. And he cares about us. Let's stand and sing and worship together.